everybody welcome back to another episode of cre with cbc worldwide i will be your host today josh best i'm the director of learning for coldwell banker commercial and i have the luxury of sitting down today with molly hamrick who is the president of coldwell banker commercial premier she is on our board of advisors for coldwell banker commercial and we are excited to have a conversation with her today about a few different things that we discussed but also just to get her perspective on the business on mentoring and on a whole bunch bunch of other stuff that has made her successful and one of the premier names, pardon the pun, in the business and in Coldwell Banker commercial. So Molly, welcome. Thank you very much for being here with us. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. I mean, it's been a, a great organization to be a part of. So I'm looking forward to our, our podcast today. Perfect. Very good. Well, um, let's start with just a little bit about who you are. Um, you know, we we talked in our prep and and I'm fascinated with your story and how you got into the business and and really where you ended up um, today. Uh, so if you could just give us a little bit of your background. How did you come to commercial real estate um, and how have you built the amazing company that you have there uh, today? So fortunately, I interned with a sales and marketing firm, real estate sales and marketing firm my senior year at UNLD. Um, and so I kind of got a taste of real estate back then and uh, was actually licensed in real estate right when I uh, graduated from college because the, the stuff that I was doing in, in the marketing side of the business required me to be licensed. So I, I obtained my real estate license in 1990, quickly became a top producer. I was eager to learn. Um, and uh, then I met my husband and we got married in 94, had a daughter, bought our company in 1998. Um, and then had twins later on that year. So in a real fast track kind of career. And then in 2000, um, we built our first commercial building for one of the locations that we had purchased in 1998. And I kind of caught the bug from that. We built 30,000 square feet, uh, took down 10 of it and leased up the rest. And so in 2004, built another 30,000 square foot building. Again, took 10,000 square feet for our brokerage, leased out the rest. Um, and that kind of started my excitement about commercial real estate. I jumped on a, a bank board, sat on that bank board for 15 years, um, and it was during the Great Recession. And mm -hmm. so obviously there were a lot of commercial assets um, during that time in which we were underwriting. And um, I was appointed to the special assets group um, in the REO properties. I always say I got my MBA during the Great Recession, which is master's in bank assets. <laughs> we were working with uh, the FDIC and the local um, and state uh, different uh, committees and whatnot to figure out how do we work through these assets and and get them off the bank uh, books and, and back into um, the marketplace. And so I've always just had that interest in commercial from the very beginning, from the early, early 2000s. And uh, we, re we really did commercial our entire career at Coldbaker Premier Realty, our residential company. Um, and we have some great resi-mercial agents but in 2020, uh, that was when we got connected with the Old Banker commercial franchise mm -hmm. and have about 10 pure commercial agents, um, our brokers that work for us at our, on our commercial franchise. That's great. That's incredible. And and tell me, Molly, when you, so your your approach, it sounds like, has been, um, you know, I'm the learning guy, so I ask a lot of learning questions. So right out of college, you get licensed, you begin in real estate, you're successful there. You get the passion for commercial real estate through a couple of, you know, ground up construction projects. 
Talk to me a little bit about how you approach learning, because those are pretty steep learning curves that, that you got on right there. So how do you approach learning and how do you learn quickly and effectively and use that skill? Uh, great question. So for me, learning to me is immersive, mm. right? I'm, I'm, I'm not a great read a book and learn. I'm a great get, get my hands dirty, roll up my sleeves and jump in. Um, and digest as much data as I can as possible. I'm a data junkie. And so lots and lots and lots of time for the projects went into me understanding the value of, of the build that we were doing and all the line items and and how those integrated and worked out and the cost averages and the overs and, and whatnot. And then what we could do from a leasing standpoint to, to generate that ROI. And so for me, learning is about just really immersing myself in whatever I want to learn. Um, and sometimes that can be painful right? Yeah. So quick learning, you can make some pretty quick mistakes. Um, but for me, the more mistakes I can make, the quicker I can learn, fail fast and fail forward. That's, that's uh, really good. I think that, that, you know, I've, I've always had that philosophy as well of, of how do you, how do we get a product to market and, and how do we have it fail quickly so that we can learn effectively from it? And, and sometimes the product is our own uh, skill set, right? That we can get to market and have fail quickly. So I, I resonate with uh, with what you just said there. When when we look at the commercial real estate landscape right now, and you talked about you know coming into this and really starting to get your feet uh, under you in the Great Recession, um, you know there's a lot of of talk right now about our markets and about what's going on, and and a lot of future forecasting, and some of that is you know, we're going to be okay. Some of that's a little bit of doom and gloom. From where you're sitting, what do you see? And and do you have any advice for folks that are in commercial real estate right now based on where we're headed? So I'm a little spoiled mm-hmm. sitting in Las Vegas. Um, it's, I, I just finished a presentation this morning to, to my group and we're the only city in the country that has a B behind it from an investment standpoint. $32.3 billion is on the books right now for Las Vegas for commercial. Well. And it's an incredible amount of business that's happening in Las Vegas. Um, but even with that said, there's still things in the market that are stale and not moving. And so we've always been, I always say, you know, even before the Golden Knights were here playing hockey, I always said, you know, go where the puck is, you know, figure out where the puck is going and get there before it gets there. So if, if you're more generalized, people that are in, in, in commercial real estate or any real estate business, if you are very specialized, and the market shifts, that makes it tough to have strong business. But if you're more generalized and you can shift and be more nimble and agile, then it's easier to make those transitions with the market. So for years, office and multifamily was a sure bet mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. It's a tough bet right now. People struggle. That asset class does definitely does struggle. Um, so it just depends on where you want to be with your career. But if you can immerse yourself in change as the market changes and continue to learn more and more and more, I mean, people that have a deep knowledge base for a special asset class, they are going to hit it out apart when that asset class is moving, right? When it's being highly traded. But with uncertainties, asset classes, they can become thin or stale. And so one of the things that, that I like to say as well is if you're earning a ton of money during a certain cycle in whatever asset class that you're specialized in, you know, put that money away because the market will shift. You will have downturns in that market. And don't expand either your business or your personal lifestyle based on your current income, the way below your means. But there's always business to be had out there. Every market has its pluses and minuses. I mean, I, I've been through so many cycles now. 
some of the worst cycles for other cities have been some of our best cycles in Las Vegas from a unit standpoint, right? So we can still get the bills paid. We can still get the transactions done. Then when the market shifts again, obviously that revenue drives even deeper um, and better into your pockets when that market gets better again. But there's always a way to do it and stay connected. You have to stay connected and build your skill set and your knowledge base. When there's a downturn in the market, there's no better time to build your skill set and your knowledge base. You know, get connected with podcasts. CBRE, uh, CBC Worldwide is a great one. We listen to T Boy, blogs, webcasts. Walker uh, webcast with Ivy Zellman is a great webcast mm. to get connected with. Or the push newsletters like the Plain Vanilla Shell or Restaurant News, Place Your AI, Near, um, Globe Street. Those are all great different mediums in which you can stay connected with and build that knowledge base. There's so much information curated. You just have to figure out there what works for you um, and remain in touch with your clients and your prospects. I can't stress that enough. Even when the market is great yeah. and you're running around and you're there on fire and <laughs> doing deals left and right, we forget about that connectivity to your clients and to your prospects. I'll remember that when the market does shift, right? And so now more than ever, when a market is turning, your clients need you more than ever. They want you to sort through the noise to quiet that noise. Mm-hmm. And that's you. You're the person. You're their advisor. And so you've got to stay connected, but you have to have the knowledge and the skill set as well. And so you're always building on that. So that's that leads me into, a, I, I think, an interesting, I think it's an interesting thought of, of uh, so you've, you've taken the time, you've built this knowledge. And I really like what you said there. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand that is that when the market is shifting is the time that you need to take advantage of the time to learn. That's when you should be immersing yourself in all of this stuff is is as the market gets more, um, you know, changes more. Uh, that's the time to to really become the expert in maybe it's a new uh, specialty or a new area that you haven't been an expert in before. Like, let's really lean into that. But that you you brought up another point that I think is good is your clients are expecting you to be their trusted advisor, the quarterback of their financial team, right? And so how do you go about doing that in good times and in times that might be a little more stressful? How do you build trust with prospects and, and current clients? Well, trust is earned mm-hmm. first and foremost, and it's earned by you displaying your knowledge and being of value, right? Providing valuable and timely information. And if you don't know an answer, go get it. Be genuine. Say, that's a great question. Let me do some research for you. Right? Don't wing it because clients know when we're winging it. Um, so you're constantly building trust, whether the market, again, is a great market or not so great market. You're constantly building trust. It, this is a relational business. It's not a transaction business. Mm-hmm. And so the way to do that is to show up, to over-deliver. So many industries have such a lack of service today, mm-hmm. right? And so people are expecting you not to perform. That's sad. So surprise them pleasantly and overperform. Give them all the data that they need, all the information that they need. Be the one that's the expert that has that advice and you do it with authority. It's really hard to have a conversation with somebody and have them not take you seriously when you have the facts and the figures and the knowledge and you depart that onto them and you do it in tonality with vigorous, you know, conviction of what you're saying and what and how you're communicating. It's so important that you understand what's going on in whatever asset class that you're specializing in because data is everywhere today. It's everywhere. So you better know it and know how to present it better than who you're speaking with. I mean, it takes a long time to build a career. Mm-hmm. 
And this is a career. It's not something that you're going to get up one day and have a real estate license and say, oh, I'm here. You know, I'm going to be your commercial broker. Right. It has to be earned, 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 earned. I can't say that over and over again. So we have a saying that we say at our company, we say, do the right things, do the right things right, and do the right things often. If you do that, the trust will come. The trust will come. And so will those commissions. Yeah, that idea that integrity is is uh, is what happens when somebody's not looking over your shoulder, that yeah. consistent commitment to doing the right thing and and making sure that you're standing by for your clients and and the good and bad news need to travel fast, I've found with with a, a lot of clients. Like, yes, I want to be the person that tells you the good news about your deal, but I also need to be the person that communicates quickly about the stuff that isn't going well. <laughs> right. And have a solution. Right. So that we we talk about that all the time. You, if you're going to deliver bad news, what are the two solutions that you're going to come up with? Mm-hmm. Your client may or not pick one of them, but at least you've started the conversation and you've let them know that you've been thinking about this. You're on their team and you're here to help them solve it, right? I mean, most people, they fail not from the lack of intention, but for their lack of execution. Mm-hmm. And people intend to do things, but they, they just don't execute on it. So be sure that you're executing all the time, whether it's good news or bad news. Right. I worked for an organization that one of their core philosophies was that innovation is rewarded and execution is worshipped. So like we can come up with ideas all day, but unless we're actually going to do something with them, it doesn't necessarily matter, right? Um, so I think that that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when, when you work with clients, you were just telling me a story about uh, the Golden Knights and, and uh, a sign that you saw on the wall when you did a tour there. Can you talk about the, that yes mentality and, and how you, that can work to build trust a little bit? So we had the pleasure of, of meeting with the president of, of the Golden Knights and, and touring his organization. And right above his office is a big sign that says, yes, in all capsule explanation point. And he, he said, you know what? I, first and foremost, we're a sales organization. Mm-hmm. We're not a hockey team. We're a sales organization. If I can't fill those seats, we're not going to be around. And what I need to do is say yes all the time. Perhaps it might not be yes 100%. But my initial response needs to be yes, so that I can open up that conversation, so that I can move towards you know a halfway point. Or even if it really is no, I'm going to say yes in the beginning and get them to understand why it probably needs to be no. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's if you say no or you disregard a question or an ask from a client, what does that do to the conversation? It just shuts it down. Right. But if you say, Hey, Josh, I hear you. That's a great idea. Can we discuss it further? Or have you thought about this? You're not saying no. You're saying yes. Let's let's talk some more. Let's build on this. Let's continue to build our trust. Let's continue to build our business together. There's a uh, a great book that I read by Daniel Pink called uh, "To Sell Is Human," and it it kind of explores that idea of how do we like that that what you just talked about of, of we're not a hockey organization, we're a sales organization, and that comes with saying yes. And and we might not be saying yes to the exact thing. But we're saying yes to continuing to serve you as our client, right? That's really what we're saying yes to. And and um, I think that's a that's a great concept, especially for some of our newer brokers who are coming into the space, which we just graduated 40 folks out of our CRA win program. Uh, awesome. where, where we have, yeah, 40 new new agents that are out there and and uh, really trying to make a name for themselves in this business. When we talk to that group, that new agent group between zero and three years in this in this role, um, one of the things that we hear a lot about is I'm looking for guidance, I'm looking for help, I'm looking for mentorship. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and and maybe what it takes to be a great mentor uh, in, in this space um, and what new folks should look for? Mentorship is very important. 
I, I had many mentors through my last, let's see, I licensed in 1990, so 33 years mm. in this business. I was fortunate to, to to meet a lot of mentors along the way. And, and one of them, and back on the residential side, Mike Ferry was my personal coach um, for a couple of years. And he taught me how to think bigger. He taught me that exposure is very important. So one of the things, one of the words I attribute my success to is exposure, 100%, is the people and the processes and and that just all the systems that I exposed myself to early, early on, and I continue to do it. Again, it's immerse, immersive learning. I'm always learning. I mean, again, 33 years in the business, I still learn every single day. I had a great call earlier today about something I when I started our company um, that I'm just starting to learn about as well. And so you're always, always learning um, from that. So the best thing for, for a mentee to look for in a mentor is does that mentor have a commitment to help them grow? If we're not growing, we're not advancing, we're not going to move forward towards our goals, right? And so you've got to be always growing. And time is the most valuable asset. Does the mentor have the time to set aside to truly be a mentor to the mentee? And then that mentor needs to respect, admire, and desire perhaps to become that mentor. If there's not a level of respect for who they're working with, that's a non-starter because you're just going to tune that person out and it'll be a waste of everybody's time. The knowledge and the skill set needs to be a match. They've got to be obviously at or well, seriously above where, where where the mentee is. So they can mm-hmm. learn how to do what the mentee's done and have a genuine connection. So there's no judgment and there's only positive interactions. Yeah. If that connection is not there, it's really hard to grow somebody, to coach somebody. Um, I always have a saying, you know, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. You can mm-hmm. feel when you're tolerated, right? It doesn't feel good. You're not going to want to work harder for a coach. I don't care if you're in sports or you're 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 being coached uh, from a production side. But if you don't feel like they are celebrating you, you're not going to work hard. And in order to be a good mentee, you have to work hard, mm-hmm. right? None of us got where we're at because we didn't work hard. So it's a hard, hard um, work ethic that you have to have and get that constructive feedback. And somebody that's willing to assist them in the networking, to share their resources, whether it's on societies or boards or councils, again, the exposure is so important and every city has enough business to go around. Right. And so they can't be selfish in which they hold back on where their successes have really come from. They've got to integrate their mentee into their successes and into the different places in which they've then been able to expand their their businesses. And that typically happens through the different outside societies and boards and councils. That's that's really good, and I think I I want to just recap a little bit for our listeners. So on the on the mentee side, if I'm looking for a mentor, I need to find somebody who is connected, um, who uh, can share those connections, who has expertise in the business. And I love what you said about somebody so go somewhere where you are celebrated, not tolerated. And I think that's a feeling that definitely resonates with a lot of people. Of I I do know in the when you said that it like hit me of like I know when I've been tolerated in places nice. before and not celebrated and certainly I'm not looking for pats on the back that are that are unearned because you you mentioned like it's the work that you do that's going to earn that but let's let's find someone that's not just tolerating us I I think that's a really important thought and then from the side of the mentor. Make sure you have enough time to dedicate to get into and and effectively mentor somebody. I think one of the most important things a, a potential mentor can say is no or not right now. I don't have the time right now to yeah. actively dedicate to you and to help you grow. And so you should find somebody else. Like that's a 
that's putting your ego aside and saying, I'm, I'm not the right person for you right now. And that's okay. It's harder to say no than it is yeah. to say yes. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're unprepared, you're not doing anybody a service there, right? Yeah. So I think all of those really good points. And, and I think that leads me to my next question of this, this is a mindset business. There are folks that have done this for as many years as, as we can count. There are folks that are brand new to it. And I think any sales role has a component of mindset to it. But when we think about the deal cycle and sometimes the long-term commitment that we're making to our clients and the, the, the ups and downs that we're going to go through with them, the amount of no's that we're going to get to get to the yeses, all of that, I, I think there is danger to, uh, or, or there's an environment that could create a negative mindset quickly. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on how somebody can maintain a good mindset in this business through all of that? I am a mindset junkie. <laughs> um, it, it, it starts and ends with the mind. Most people believe it's your actions that drive your results, mm. but really it's what happens before you even have actions, right? It's the mind that controls all of that. And, and we talk about this a lot, mindset plus skill set equals your confidence. And in this business, let's face it, we are in a rejection business mm -hmm. and you have to have confidence in this business to move forward. And your mindset will totally help you with that um, along with your skill set. So what you feed your mind determines your appetite for all things in life. What you put into that mind of yours, whether it's you're, you're going to go to dinner and make some food choices, your relationship choices, your career choices, who you associate with the client that you get attracted to. I mean, it's interesting if you take a second and really think about who it, who's actively in your world on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's your clients. What type of people are you working with? And are you attracting them because you're, you know, birds of a feather that flock together? And is that a good set of attraction? Right. What are you putting out there? A lot of times people that, have, that live a very drama-led life have very drama-led clients. And so those are painful transactions to work through. But people that that are are, are true to uh, a positive thought process and what with they're looking at the solution in the mind, the, the end in mind, and they're good listeners, it can be flexible and, and typically more business-like. And, and commercial really is uh, less emotional than residential real estate. Mm -hmm. So you'll attract those types of clients too. I mean, Mindset is super important. I get up every single day. We work through affirmations, visualization. So before before this podcast, I thought about how how I visualized how I wanted to end up. Before I walk into um, a meeting, if we're looking at uh, making a pitch for a you know a, a multi-family asset or whatever we're doing, uh, we think about how that's going to be. You role play that out. You you work on your mindset from that perspective because if you walk into that meeting thinking that you're not going to get that listing mm -hmm. or you're not going to make that sale that's what's going to happen you become what you think about so mindset is super super important and you've got to control it at all costs because anything that costs your peace of mind is way too expensive so one of the things i love to do outside of affirmation visualization is exercise like mm -hmm. those endorphins get released in your body listen to great podcasts digital um, books the two percent way if you haven't listened to that yet i highly recommend it because it talks about just improving things 2% every single day. Mm -hmm. If you look at your mindset and you look at trying to shift it and you don't wake up one day and go, I'm going to be this person. 
it's a work in process, right? It's you're always doing, you're always working on it. Um, change your story, change your life is when we're listening to you right now. And then I just finished You Are a Badass. That's <laughs> a great book too. Um, so just trying to have a bad day after you get up in the morning and you feed your mind with positive messages yeah. or your body gets released of those endorphins, you know, the fresh air from outside. If you get up every single day and you set your mindset correctly, you've got seconds to do that. First thing you do in the morning, it's really hard to have a bad day or to have a bad meeting. The other thing that works in your mindset is your skill set, your knowledge base. We just talked about this. Again, if you are absolutely positively prepared for a meaning, it is really hard for it to go the wrong way. It is really hard for it to have a negative outcome. Mm-hmm. And you walk in there, you stand up taller. You know, you know you're ready for it. You've done your preparation. It's the same thing when somebody goes to throw a no hitter. They don't just show up on the baseball diamond and throw a bunch of pitches and they have a no hitter. They have prepared. They have mentally right. and they physically prepared. They prepared their skills. Is that the same thing in real estate? You have to, have to, have to wake up with a positive mindset. Be prepared on a regular on a regular day so that you can't. You're going to have your moments. We all have our moments, but you decide how long you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. I have my moments. I'll have them in my car. Like I'll have a, a meeting that didn't go as well. I'll replay that. Sometimes I'll have a conversation that didn't go as well. I'll pick up the phone and I'll say, hey, you know what, Josh? That didn't go as well as I wanted to. Can we restart it? Right. Wow, what a shift in your mindset and in their mindset. People mm-hmm. aren't going to say no. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. They're going to say, yeah, you know, that, that was kind of grabby. Yeah. And then you just be a little humble pie and and when move forward from it. But mindset is super, super important in every single thing that you do every single day. That's that's good. And I think you went you said something that's incredibly impactful and you you said it quickly. So I want to make sure and highlight it for our listeners. It's the equation that you gave of mindset plus skill set equals confidence. And you talked about both of those things. But like when you talk about a, a saying on a wall or something that should be on a wall, I think that's an equation that that our listeners should put on their wall of your mindset plus your skill set equals your confidence. Um, talk to me a little bit about because I think one of the things that we hear from our folks a lot is and you mentioned it earlier, time is the number one commodity. Time is the most expensive thing that we can give away. Staying positive with your mindset takes time. Building your skill set takes time. And so by your equation, your confidence takes time. How do you prioritize the time to work on those things and maintain a very successful business? It's an absolute for me. There are no options. If you remove your options, clarity shows up, right? And so for me, I just say what I say over and over again, and I, I coach a group of female um, uh, brokers at our company, and they'll all repeat it to you. And it's control your mornings, control your life. Mm. Anything before noon, anything before noon. So at least if it's super important that needs to get done, do it before noon. Because after that, it's a slippery slope down here yes. um, with your schedule. So I I time block. I time block. So, so I get up first thing in the morning. I get all of my meditations and my affirmations and my workout and all that in the morning, my digital mm-hmm. um, books, all that in podcast. And then I, I immediately go to what I'm going to work on that day from a skill set standpoint. Uh, and then by noon, then I open up the rest of my day for appointments and, and whatnot. But it's super important that if you can control your mornings and then you have, so in real estate, we are independent contractors. Mm-hmm. We are, you eek. Nobody's going to pay you until you pay yourself. Right. And so you have to treat it like a business. You have to be disciplined and you have to remove all your options. And so I do it through time blocking. I do it through a schedule. I've always had a very, very firm schedule. Um, and it starts with my mornings. 
So that time blocking, when you when you focus on that, because I think that that is it's it's something that a lot of people want to do. It's something that they they want to get good at. But I think it, you outlined a really important point is that it when you remove all of the other choices there, and and that becomes your only choice is to work on your mindset and your skill set and therefore your confidence. Then you 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 really like we're prioritizing that. I heard this great story of a, a person who was working, 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 didn't couldn't take a second off, didn't take a vacation for a year, all of the kind of stereotypical stuff that you hear. And when when asked why, she said, oh, I can't. I absolutely can't do it. My priorities are here. And then she was at work one day. Her water heater broke, flooded her entire basement, took four days to remediate the damage. She was gone from work for four days, came back. Nothing had burned down. And that shifted her mindset about the work that she was doing because it was like, oh, I can leave. She didn't have it. The priority shifted. That was her priority. Getting the damage taken care of became the priority. And so she was she was forced to work on that. But that that highlighted like, oh, it's my choice what I do with my time, which I think you just highlighted really. That's well. because she told herself that right. she couldn't. So be careful what you tell yourself. I don't care if, if you say it out loud or internally. Your brain will grab that, it will hold on to that, and you will become that. You become what you think about 100%. So if you say, I can't, I can't, I can't, then guess what? You won't. Right. But if you say, I can, I will, I am, then you become that. It boils down to meditation, education, diet, and sleep. Those things, when they're all fired off together, you will be your best version of yourself, and, and, and you have to control your mornings, and you have to, at all costs, push out the negativity push out everything else around you. I mean, mm. the, the the six people you spend your most time with is who you're going to pick right. So who are you spending your most time with? And if they're not adding and they're not celebrating you and they're not adding value to your life, you need to move them on. You need to yeah. shift them out. And that goes with business relationships and personal relationships. I love that. I've, I've always been a fan of the concept of, of sometimes the best thing that you can do is fire your clients or, or in some cases, fire your friends, right? If they, I, I agree 100% with what you said of if they're not contributing to positivity, your mindset, your success, and you're doing the same for them, you're not just taking in that relationship, you're also reciprocating that. But I, I think that's that's fantastic. And making the decision to do so is tough. But I, I love that you talk a lot about the choice that you make as an individual where did that come from for you, that realization that you are the one that's in control of the choices that you make? How did you how did you learn that over time? Well, my my mother to start with. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found it on my kids, the two yeah. season life choices, the consequences, right? I mean, I was raised uh, that way. And, and so it was just part of, of, of inherently who I was. But also, too, when, when you get licensed in the real estate business when you're 21 years old, hmm. nobody's paying you. You figure out really quickly, if you don't make the right choices, you're not going to pay rent. You're not going to eat. Yeah. You're not going to have a good life. And so I had to be very protective of my choices right away from the very, very beginning. And um, and so that just became who I was. And then I immediately got into coaching, again, with my fair organization and learned from other people around me. Mm. I've had mentors that were way, way operating way, way above me. And um, and I just learned what they did, and I was I figured out pretty pretty quickly in life that if I didn't protect myself and my mindset, that I I could live a pretty unhappy life, and that yeah. was not a choice I was going to make. It's much much more exciting, um, controlling that mindset and getting up. And again, I mean, if you try to have a bad day, mm-hmm. when you set your mindset right in the morning, you know I don't care what happens. People can be jerks along the way. They can 
you know, be jerks when you're driving to work, whatever it is. But if you're just grateful and you set that mindset right in the beginning, it, and then it's contagious. Mm-hmm. And then you attract other people that are like that. So then you have an organization of great mindset and you have clients that have great mindset. And it's just, it's a fun world to live when you have a better mindset. Yeah, I agree 100% with what you said. I think that it's really important that we are surrounding ourselves with the right folks at the at the right time and making decisions consistently about who we're associating with, who we're doing business with. When you look at your, you know, you look back over your career and you look at the the future that you have in front of you, what are some of the things that you are most excited about coming up? Great question. I, I, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm a I'm, I'm a pretty happy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm excited about life all the time, um, especially about Las Vegas and where I'm at, and especially about Cool Banker and the great network. So I've had the privilege of being part of the Cool Banker network since 1998, mm-hmm. and um and and been I'm born and raised in Las Vegas, and so it, the the excitement to me is just again that the ability to collaborate to grow. There's so much growth out there. There's absolutely no reason why you can't succeed in this business. I, I don't, but again, people that don't succeed is they just lack of execution, lack of drive, lack of commitment to getting up every single day and doing the right thing. And um, with Cola Banker, there's there are no options besides success. There's so many tools and resources. Cola Banker Commercial has brought a tremendous amount of tools on board that help us win um, presentations on a, on a regular basis. And so... For, for me, the excitement is to continue to expand, expand on my relationships, not just here in my marketplace. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Jen Blue and I'll, I'll see um, all of our all of our friends that again, that we've built relationships over and build new relationships. Every time I attend a global banker function, whether it's the CBC um, global event, whether it's leadership, whether it's Jen Blue, whatever it is, I am always creating more and more value to myself by, by making deposits. We believe in making deposits so that we can take out those withdrawals, right? And so every time I go, I have more connections. I learn more about um, the marketplaces and things that we can do to build, 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 build. So for me, it's always up, 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 up. And and you can't do that alone. Mm-hmm. Nobody got where they are in life by themselves. Um, so collaborating with the best in the business is always so exciting and so helpful. That's fantastic. So um, if folks want to connect with you, if they want to find you at GenBlue when you're there, or if they just want to connect with you, whether it's uh, LinkedIn through your site, what's the best way to get in contact with you to ask more about anything that they've heard today? So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. If you just Google Molly Hamrick or Molly Manderscheid, my main name, Hamrick, on on Instagram, um, I'm all over the place. So I love to connect with you. I love what we do. It's one of the best uh, decisions I ever made in my entire life was getting my real estate license uh, when I was 21 years old. It's an amazing, amazing career. Very good. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, if you do want a blueprint for success and you want to look at a, a successful company in a really dynamic and thriving market, um, it's a really good, Premier is a really good case study. And Molly, as the leader of that organization, is a really good case study in the way that mindset and skill set can equal confidence and drive success. So Molly, thank you very much for being with us again today. I really appreciate the time that you spent with us. And I know our listeners are walking away with a ton. So thank you very much. Hey, I enjoyed it as much as you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Let's go get them. All right.